Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included. Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles. Plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Give Me the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com It's time to celebrate. We've reached a milestone here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. We are celebrating our 100th episode, and it's it's been an interesting <laughs> journey along the way. Stacy King, Timmy Whispers alongside, and Stacy, remember we talked about this a few years ago. You said you'd like to start a podcast, and the question was, you know, when when was the timing going to work? And then during the height of the pandemic, we talked. We thought, now maybe it's time. And then and, and back in the start, want to thank our our buddy Aldo Gandia. We we're in his basement doing a couple of shows and then and then it's, it's really grown from there i tell you what i mean you know when we first started you know we had we, we didn't have all the right equipment right we had the gold microphones and <laughs> looked like a bunch of pimps <laughs> but it was the effort that counted uh you know we got the sound right that's why we you know we tell we tell people who want to start a podcast like hey listen there's going to be some frustrations there's going to be some ups and downs just stay the course as long as the the material is good and you're with a bunch, bunch of friends like we are uh we'll be able to power through which we did and i don't think anybody thought we'd get to a hundred episodes. I, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a lot of episodes. I mean, I, you know, you see Joe Rogan, all these guys, a thousand episodes. Sure. I don't give a damn. Okay. <laughs> we got a hundred. Okay. There's a lot of podcasts out there that didn't get a hundred. We got to a hundred. So that's an awesome feat. I was looking at some of the clips from the past shows and, and what you said about those gold pimp microphones. Yes. That's exactly right. Because when you saw the <laughs> shot of us, you saw the big gold thing around. It. It's like, what are we doing? Is this, is this night at the Apollo or something? Uh, I you know, I you know, they were nice. You know, 
know, we, 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 we gave, we I gave. I those out. Listen, oh, we, all right. Sorry about yeah, that, Tim. Yeah. We let Timmy Whispers pick out the, the microphones. And, you know, again, <laughs> I was just missing that, you know, that big cup that the, the uh, Snoop Doggy Dog always yeah. drinks out of. That's the only thing we're missing because the mic was there. So, uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, man, like, you know, we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of great guests on this show. Um, and again, you know, the people who download this, people who tune in weekly, it's because of you and your interest in the show that we were able to to get 100 shows in and hopefully we'll get to 1,000. Yeah, we appreciate everybody who's followed us along the journey from our humble beginnings, as I mentioned, in Aldo's basement through some of the times when we were trying to figure out our audio. And, uh, you know, now we've got great first class audio. We've got a great production team. We want to thank those guys and our producer, Maddie, who does such a great job. And it's it's been a lot of fun uh, seeing this show grow the way it has. And we're looking forward to bigger and better things. We've got some things on the horizon that, that are going to come up that's going to take the show to a whole new level. So we're excited about that. We want to thank everybody who's started to follow us on the Twitch stream. Nick Bianchi says, congrats, Mark, Stacy, and Timmy. We appreciate that. We appreciate everybody who's followed us any step of the way. And Tim is, is here. He was supposed to be jetting off to his new home in Fort Myers, Florida tomorrow. And Tim, my heart goes out to you and all the folks down in Florida who are this devastating hurricane right now. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to my pet alligator when I finally get down there. That's now in my kitchen. <laughs> and you said you just closed on this house three weeks ago? Just three weeks ago. Signed the insurance papers about nine days ago. Well, thank goodness you got the insurance in place. Yeah. And you said this place was built like five years ago, but it's never been, no never one's been ever lived, lived in, in there. No. So now the alligators and the sharks are There's finally some swimming. residents. <laughs> so, you, you know, you've got the, the fish uh, in the front. Now you're going to have uh, live yeah. alligators and, and sharks in your new home in Fort Myers. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. You're making me feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel bad for him because I, you know, one of the reasons, because I'm also looking at getting property in Fort Myers. And one mm -hmm. of the reasons why was because they don't have a lot of hurricanes down they there. They normally don't. And so, Today, when you showed me that video, Mark, I, yeah. I was like, oh, man, thank God I didn't buy anything. And then I find out <laughs> Tim bought something. I'm like, oh, only whispers. Oh, it's all about goodness. the timing. Timing. Just like whispers. <laughs> Just like whispers. So how's your wife holding up through this? That's a very, very stressful thing for a family to have to go through. Well, she was saying, let's still go down on Saturday, check stuff. I'm like, there's going to be no power. There's going to be oh, alligators gosh. and trees in the streets. There'll be no groceries. Sharks. Yeah, sharks all around. Yeah, you saw you saw that video, Mark. Yeah, I tell you what, it's very scary down there, and and we hope that the worst of it is is going to be over, and and your home is still going to be standing when you get down there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, and Tim still got the two kegs going in the front, so I, yeah, I think that, we'll, that's helping we'll, yeah, at the have, moment. Have to yeah, drink yeah. drink these sorrows down. I tell you what, but we, you know, this is supposed to be a celebratory episode. We, our heart does go out to all the folks down in Florida. Hope that the damage is not too severe in the area where you live. And we want to take you through some of the clips of, that we've had from past shows, some of the great guests we've had. And in about 15, 20 minutes, Will Purdue is going to join us to talk about the start of Bulls training camp and what we can expect from this year's team. You know, we've we've had a lot of fun talking to a lot of Stacy's old teammates. You know, I, I remember the episode with BJ Armstrong <laughs> where you guys were laughing about trying to boost Jerry Krause over yep. over the yep. fence. You guys were laughing so hard that we none of us could talk because it was so funny. And that's what the show's all about. Hey, listen, I mean that that's that's what it's all about, Mark, is having fun, telling good stories, uh, you know, bringing on guys who have stories to tell. And uh, you know, BJ, me and BJ came up together. So yeah, uh, he's my he's my son's godfather, I'm his son's godfather. 
fathers, so that tells you how close we are. Uh, being able to have guys like Craig Hodges come on, the the Grant brothers who I play with, both those guys. Scott Williams has come on. Bobby Hansen. I mean, we. What was the, what was the name of the uh, the girl that you met in the bar? Oh, the Tiny Avengers. <laughs> the Tiny Avengers. If you haven't seen that episode, America. Yeah, check it out. Check Tank it out. Williams. Yeah, she, yeah it's, it's, off the, it's off the In Living Color. So you can go on YouTube and find In Living Color Handyman. That was the name of the, the, mm-hmm. the skit, Handyman. And he had a lot of little people helping him. And Tiny Avengers was one of them. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll let you hear the rest of the episode. I saw Pax uh, at the media day on Monday and he was, uh, he, he wanted to pass along some congratulations. He was a guest as well from his home in Florida. Yes, and, yes. Uh, you know, it was great to talk to Pax and then let him, uh, you know, talk about some things beyond trying to build a team in Chicago over the last 20 years when he was head of basketball operations. And one of our other guests, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, and, and he was a great guest for us. I think we had him back on in December or January. It was right, right around the time when he hit the two straight game-winning three-point shots, which was amazing. And, you know, we're not pretending to be uh, hard-hitting journalists here, but I asked him a question that I was kind of reluctant because, you know, I noticed in watching the games that when he comes into the game or he goes to the free-throw line, he kisses both wrists. So I asked him, why do you do that? And I thought he might bite my head off, but this is what the answer we got. Speaking of, uh, you know, uh, mannerisms and things that you pick up from other guys, I might be reading this wrong, but when you come back on the court after a timeout, are you... Kissing both wrists, or am I seeing that wrong? Is, is there some yeah, meaning I, behind I kiss, that? Yeah, I kiss my daughter's name. Okay, okay. I was okay. wondering about. It. I knew there had to be That's a story. Crazy. Nobody there. never asked me that. Nobody never asked me that. Yeah. <laughs> really? No one's ever yeah, asked you that. Yeah, I kiss. I kiss my mom's name and my daughter's name. Well, it means a lot more now. Yes, it does. It does. I thought maybe you were saying, okay, left wrist, you got to help me because right wrist isn't doing the job. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's crazy. Nobody's never asked me that. Yeah, I kiss my mom's name and my kid's name. That's, that's great. That's awesome. that cool. That, that's, see, we found something. Give me the hot Give sauce. Me the hot always sauce, digging yeah. something up over here. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan was a great sport. And you know what? During the media day news conference this year, Stacey, he was so loose. He was telling jokes and one-liners. And I'm like... What a difference a year makes. So I think when he first came here, he was kind of stung by all the criticism that it was the worst free agent signing. And then he goes out and averages over 27 points a game. Yeah, I've been over there the last couple of days, uh, training camp. I got a chance to talk to him today. Um, really excited about the way the season started. Really excited about the new teammates. Um, you know, watching practice today, seeing him, you know, participate and being the leader. A lot more vocal, both him and Zach. You see right there laughing. Uh, he's really enjoyed his time in Chicago. Uh, people, you know, most of the critics think he, he's going to have a, a, you know, a come down from last year. I don't think he is. I, this guy puts too much, you know, work into it. He's a prideful guy. Uh, he's a multiple time all-star. He understands his role on his team uh, and they need him to play well. They both, both him and Zach have to play at a certain level, Mark, for this team to get to where they are. They got to hold the fort down until Lonzo comes back. And we don't know when that's going to be, but until he comes back, those guys have to play at a high level every single night. He's going to be entering his 14th season. And some of the questions at media day were in regard to, well, can you still do it at your age? And he kind of bristled at that saying, you know, I'm not that old. You know, it's, he even made a joke. He goes, I ain't like I'm Kevin Willis hanging out at the end of my oh, wow. And then he said, he said, shout out to Kevin Willis. Oh, you know, so, yeah, yeah. You know, big, big Kevin Willis with them T-Rex got the arms. Yeah. He got them T-Rex arms coming through the Advocate Center. Yeah. And you know, he got that D voice. What'd you say, d Give me that chain. My mama made that chain. But no, seriously, though, like, you know, you look at guys like LeBron James, you know, Goran Dragic, 
you know, guys who are up there in age. Uh, Kevin Durant's in the 30s. You know, I mean, a lot of the star players now, they're transitioning to the later part of their careers, you know. And so Steph Curry, all these guys. And so they the way they train, the way they prepare themselves. I mean, LeBron James is is anomaly. I mean, what he's been able to do with as many miles as he has on his body, um, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, DeMar DeRose is no different. You know, they eat, they, they watch what they eat. They work out, they stretch, they got their own people doing a lot of stuff for them as far as their conditioning is concerned. And they can play until into their forties. Look at Tom Brady. Right. And, and, and DeMar was talking about the fact that with modern science and all the training methods, he said, there's no reason why I can't still play at an elite level for a number of years. And we know one of the big influences on his career has been uh, the late great Kobe Bryant. Of course, he grew up in Compton, California, had a chance to uh, work out with Kobe and spend a lot of time with him. And we asked uh, him during the show, what, what he thought about the influence of Kobe Bryant was on, on his great career. Tell tell us the impact that Kobe's had on, on your life and 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 what it meant to you to have that relationship with the late great Kobe. Um, I mean, before I even had a relationship with him personally, Kobe was you know my 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 consistent imagination. You know, I'm, I mean, I was I was young and I'm old enough to remember Jordan, but I remember Kobe's first rookie game. You know, and I remember watching every single game. So, me being from LA and kind of the only game we could watch not having cable was the Lakers. So my, my, my whole imagination started with Kobe, everything I seen him do from the fadeaways to, I remember I used to always want an Afro when I was a kid and, and push it back <laughs> like Kobe. So, you know, he, he, he was my, my imagination in, in the, in the fadeaways and in the dunks and everything. So it started there because I started emulating everything I seen him do as a kid, you know, and by the time I was 15, 16, I have a personal relationship with him and that, that to grow and to personally be taught by him and get a, get an understanding from him, how the game should be played, the work ethic, everything that comes with it. It just, it's, it's, it's like a dream come true, you know? Um, and I think that's why you see so much in my game because my foundation, everything was built. I, damn, I, I never told anybody this either. One, <laughs> one, one thing, uh, a conversation I remember I had with Cole was he always told me, stay true to yourself and master whatever it is you want to be true to yourself with. And I used to always, when, when Cole used to tell me stuff, I used to scratch my head like, man, what the hell is you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> What the hell is you talking about? You know what I mean? Did he hit you? Did he hit you with? You're welcome. Basically, but that, that's how he that's how he was in conversations. Had not questioned him about what do you mean? Like, so I remember him telling me that. And I remember I think it was like, you know, the next year they start really pushing that analytic thing and and three point shooting and everything, and um, that just stuck in my head that conversation he had, and I was just like, yo you got to stop me from doing what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I looked at it like, well, I'm a, I'm a keep mastering this the best of my abilities. I'm a, I'm a figure it out. I'm a figure it out. I'm not going to let no, nothing and nobody push me to do something else that I don't feel like I need to do. And I just stuck with it. Honestly. The pride of Compton, California, DeMar DeRozan. And I tell you what, if people think he's going to drop off this year, Stacey, they, they can think again because he is primed for another big season. I, I watched him in practice today and the mid-range game is still unstoppable. 
Uh, I saw him get AC on a, on a nice little up and under step, you know, pump fake, step through, like I saw him do all of last season. Uh, he's a prideful guy, you know, and he's a leader. You know, he's a guy that doesn't, he's not going to be the raw, raw, raw guy. You know, he's not going to be yelling and screaming at guys. He's a guy that goes out there, he prepares, he leads by example. Younger players follow him. They watch what he does. That tells you what kind of player you are when you got a kid like Patrick Williams that's going to fly all the way out to LA right. and go work out at 4.30 in the morning and make sure he's there on time every single day to work out with you tells you the impact that DeMar has on this team. Whispers, I didn't see you in that video. Where were you that day? You remember? Nope. <laughs> looking, looking for homes in Florida? Is <laughs> that what was going on? That's probably what was happening. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Made oh. some bad decisions. <laughs> of course, we couldn't have this great show without our great sponsors, and one of our good friends is Jeff Vukovic. And you've uh, heard that name many times before. I mean, you watched Bulls games over the years. When it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance. It's our good friend, nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. I'm sure he sends his congratulations along for episode number 100. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. And Stacy's getting ready for a season full of the nationwide jingle. Before I hit the nationwide jingle, America. I just want to say Jeff has been with us from yes. day one. That's right. He has been our number one loyal sponsor from day one. So, you know, when we talk about nationwide is on our side, Jeff Vukovic was on our side too, baby. <laughs> That's right. He's been on our side. He's so, been loyal. This is to you, Jeff. <laughs> nationwide is on your side. Oh. Yes, indeed. We are ready for the season to begin. Woo. Hard to believe that the preseason games start next Tuesday. So the Bulls will have a game at the United Center. Summer went by too fast. The one uh, cloud hanging over the Bulls, of course, uh, if you've been following the news, you know what's going on with Lonzo Ball. He had a procedure today, uh, what they call an arthroscopic debridement, to try to clean some debris that's causing pain in his left knee. It's the third surgery on that knee. And the scary thing, Stacy, was when he did a Zoom with the local media on Tuesday, he talked about the fact that even going up the stairs, that his leg hurts. And that's, that's frightening. It is. I mean, you know, this is a guy they're counting on. This is a guy that, you know, they went out and got. They tried to get for, you know, trade deadline two years ago. Mm -hmm. Wasn't able to pull it off, but they got their man for last season. Um, it's a little concerning, you know, but they feel like, you know, talking to some guys on the inside, they feel like this is going to this is going to be really good for him because they're going to be able to get whatever the internet is causing him problems. Um, he's going to be out for a while. I mean, you know, it's, we don't know exactly when there is no timetable, but when, you know, you talk about four to six weeks, that's just, you know, rehabbing, that's rehab time. You're, you're not even talking about the time it's going to take for him to get in basketball shape and start ramping mm -hmm. it up, doing basketball drills on the floor. So, you know, you're, you're looking at some time here. That's why the signing of Goran Dragic was so important. You know, I think in the beginning, people were like, you know, why are the Bulls going after him? Why are they signing him? Da, da, da. Uh, and if you watch the world championships this year, you can see why they, they brought him. Yeah, this, this you can guy, still play. This guy can still play. You got to be careful. You got to be careful with them. You, and you, you heard the Bulls talk about this, you know, trying to, you know, limit his minutes. You know, this is a guy that you won't play, that shouldn't play back-to-back -back games. It's a guy that shouldn't be playing three games in four nights type things. Right. Um, keeping his minutes between that 25 and 30-minute range. I don't know who's going to start. You don't know. I bet I you mean, it's Io. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the way I look at it, you know, is, is that with two perimeter players, we saw this in the playoffs last year against Milwaukee. Um, 
teams are going to back off and Io has to knock down shots. Yeah. You know, AC is going to have to knock down shots at the, at the point guard position. They're going to be open. But I, I did see something today that I was really encouraged about with Io. Io last year really thought about when the ball came to him, whether he should take the shot or not. He was real. There was hesitation. He got better as the year went on, Mark. Um, but this year, just watching him today in practice, ball swinging around, boom, 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 catch and shoot. No yeah. hesitation and knocked it down. Uh, also, I was really, really glad to see Kobe Kobe White go out there. Kobe White looked really, really good. He's got a new America. Kobe White's got a different look now, different <laughs> hairstyle because he he has he has braids now. And so when he he made a couple of moves with off the dribble, off the bounce and finished strong, then came down on a catch and shoot three on transition. And I thought it was Patrick Williams. And I'm like, man, Patrick Williams been working on his three point yeah. shooting. And then uh, my, my trainer, Mark, uh, Mike Orr said, no, that's that's uh, Kobe. And I'm like, I didn't even recognize Kobe because I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> different hairstyle, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he looked really, really good. So I've been on the Kobe White bandwagon from the start. And I'm staying on it. I'm telling you, Bulls Nation, this team is going to be a lot better than what you think. I got a chance to see Drummond today. Drummond is a big dude. Yeah. Like, he's a big, strong guy. Very agile, can run the floor. I saw him get out in transition today uh, for big man runs extremely well. Rebounds like a, I mean, you remember all the rebound games he had against 2020 us, okay? games, yeah. This is not like us getting Ben Wallace at the end of his career. Like this is this guy is still under it's 30. He's only 28, yeah. He's under 30. And he he eats up rebounds. Like, I mean, he he goes and gets it. He doesn't wait for the ball to come to him. He goes and gets it. He starts you in transition. Um, they had him out there. I saw him out there. He was taking some threes. I'm not a big, big fan of that, but hey, <laughs> hey, you know what? If you're gonna rebound like like Dennis Robin, go ahead and take a few. You know, I was sitting next to Sam Smith at the uh, media day session. They brought all the players in one by one to do news conferences and stuff. And so Goran Dragic was talking for a while and he, he pokes me, he goes, Should I ask him about Derek Duncan on him? Oh! And I go, You better, because if you don't, I am going to. Wow. And so he asked him about it, and a big smile goes on his face, because of course you have the all-time classic call, and he goes, this is my nightmare. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, he said that that's the only time he's been dunked on in his career. And he said that it, it was like his second or third year in the league. And he figures, what the heck, I got to challenge him. And then he basically wraps it up. He goes, it is what it is. At least I'm on TV all the time. Well, let me tell you something. He, he didn't tell the full story. Okay. Okay. The, the full story about that dunk was he, Steve Nash was still playing in Phoenix at the time. And he was backing up Steve Nash. Yeah. And he was getting ready to come out the game. And he saw Steve Nash walking <laughs> over to the scores table. Yeah. And he jacked up a three and missed. And it was a long rebound. I think right. Tyrus got the ball. Somebody got the ball. And Derek was out running because he was the one that contested yeah. the three and took off. And so they pitched it ahead of Derek. And he was he was mad that he was going, coming out the He's game. Out the game. He was yeah. coming out of the game. So he was like, I'm gonna block this shot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna block this shot. And then I'm gonna probably probably thought he's gonna get to stay in the game because it's gonna be great defense. Yeah. But he didn't get the memo. That <laughs> Derek, Derek Rose can't go upstairs and he's got a 40 inch vertical and he got posterized. And it yeah. was it, that right there, like I I forgot I was an analyst, a broadcaster, you know, even though I'm, I'm a pretty good analyst and broadcast. Where's my, give my QD. Yeah. I'm a professional, I'm what? a professional <laughs> analyst. Okay. And at that time I was still, I was still like new, you know? Yeah. And, and for that split second, I forgot, I was a fan. I, for, <laughs> I, I, I was surprised I didn't curse. Yeah. Here it is, America. <laughs> Rick Flair, baby, Call it Rick Flair. But it was it was such an iconic play 
from a from a really dynamic guard at that time. Derrick Rose was at the height of his superpowers. Mm-hmm. And when he jumped out, the, jumped up to dunk that ball, like he literally scratched the back of his neck with the ball. Dragic comes in. <laughs> See, Dragic got up. He yeah. got up because yeah. he's a pretty good athlete. He got up. But Derek just, you know, Derek, the party was at the penthouse. He kept a, going up, yeah. yeah. The kept party, rising. The party was at the penthouse. <laughs> it wasn't on the seventh floor. And Dragic thought it was on the seventh floor. D Rose at the penthouse and bammed on him, boy. Well, well, Dragic had a good sense of humor about it. He I does. think he's going to be a really nice addition. I hope he's for not mad team. at me. I hey, hope before, he's not mad at me. Before we bring Will in, I, I want to get one more clip in from past shows. You know, we, we get guys from all over the place, and we actually interviewed Zach Levine when he was in his car. He's driving around the area after practice, and he was a good sport. And, you know, Zach. Zach made his mark last summer when he played for the U.S. Olympic team, and they asked him to be a defensive stopper, and he didn't care. So here's here's Zach talking about his Olympic experience winning a gold medal with Team USA. People, I thought that the experience with the Olympic team really helped. Yeah, no, it was incredible because, you know, just like what you said, that everybody could score on that team. You play with the some of the 12 best players in the world, so... And you almost had to figure out your roles and, and your and your and your minutes on that team. We had Kevin Durant, you know, who was going to be the lead scorer, getting most of the shots. And then you had guys like Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton. Um, you know, me. You know, you have a bunch of guys that you know average over twenty six, twenty seven points per game, but you're not going to be in that same role. So. Just for me, okay, look, coach, I'll, I'll I'll pick up and play defense all the time. I'll be the one trying to take charges or dive on the floor, which I haven't had that role before, but gave me a, a little bit of insight to when I get back to the Bulls and on my regular team, it's, uh, it's going to add a nuance to my game that I might not have to do it every single possession, you know, like I was in the Olympics, but – you know, I, hey, look, I got Bradley Beal this, you know, this game. Or, you know, well, look, I, I got James Harden, so you go guard KD, and it'll it, it'll help our team in the long run. Yeah, we were so thankful that Zach didn't get in an accident when he was driving around talking yeah, to us. And we would have got blamed for yeah. it. The interview finally ended when he had to park his car. The valet said, uh, you're going to have to get out of the car. And he said, well, I guess the interview's over. But Zach was a great sport. We really enjoyed visiting with him. And, of course, he had his season kind of uh, impacted by the issues with his left knee. But he had a skull procedure done this summer. And he said he's feeling as good as he ever has. And that means big things because Zach is in the prime of his career. Of course, he signed that max contract in the offseason. And he's ready for big things things this year. Well, I got a chance to talk to Zach today in practice and we had a nice conversation. Uh, he's healthy hundred mm-hmm. percent. He looked good on the floor. Jumper looked wet. Uh, the athleticism is there. Saw him get to the rim and dunk the ball, block a couple of shots, uh, talking to him after practice. One of the things he said, I asked him, you know, how, how the baby's doing, how the baby's yeah, doing. Yeah. Uh, cause he had him and his wife had a baby and uh baby son. And, uh, he's like, Hey, you know what? He's like, I'm gonna have to hire me a, a babysitter. <laughs> like, I was like, also, you're not getting no sleep. And he was laughing about it. And he said, the one thing that, that that's really changed is his focus now. He said, you know, having a son, uh, now it's not about me. You know, it's about this baby and, and, and you know, the rest of our lives together. And so he's focused on basketball, uh, but he puts a whole new perspective on things when you have kids. You mm-hmm. know that, Mark. I yeah. know that. Tim knows that. You know, one of the things that people have uh, followed us for the first uh, 99 episodes now is that Timmy Whisper sometimes Gets off some crazy questions. Did you have a question for Zach that day? Did you remember you asked him anything crazy? I did. I can't remember what it was, though. Yeah. Was so ch- check out that episode. Go back in our library. All of our shows are available on YouTube, and and I know that uh, they're on Apple Podcasts. So go back and uh, listen to that Zach Levine yeah. thing and see what, see what Tim had to say, because you never know. Yes, Danger D. I was looking at the description of the YouTube video. Every clip is 
talked about how we put the money so everybody can just click on those numbers. It's not a real effective way of communication. I mean, what what, uh, what our guy D is saying, that uh, there'll be a description available for every clip that we had. And uh, Will Purdue is in the Sriracha waiting room, so we're going to bring him in. Much more Bulls talk. We'll talk about Patrick Williams. We'll talk about the new additions to the roster and a whole lot more on our 100th episode of Gimme the Hot Sauce. You know, one of the great things about the show over these past hundred episodes is we found out some talents that our, our panel has uh, can do some celebrity impersonations. And one of the big hits, especially with the Twitch group, is Tim Kelly as Christopher Walken reading our hot sauce ad. So, yeah, you know, this is the hundredth episode, so we got to bring Christopher Walken back, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you trying to score the best hot sauce in the game? Well, listen up. We got a variety of flavors that bring some spice into your life. That's right. Give me the hot sauce. It's the best small batch organic sauce that you've ever had. Whether it's Chicago style, Stacey's favorite, St. Pat's Verde, or the Sweet King's Q, spicy and sweet, <laughs> just like the King. Or the hottest of the bunch, Chicago's 1871. Putting your eyes out. <laughs> Stop by GiveMeTheHotSauce.com. And use code KING21. Get 21% off your first order. That's right. Give man. me the hot sauce. Oh. And every package uh, is taken care of personally, lovingly by Timmy Whispers. Back in his closet. No. I pack them. You? Christopher Walken? <laughs> Christopher right. Walken's packing them? That's going to cost a lot of money for a big yeah. time Hollywood star to be You're packing hot sauce. You're going to take that job seriously, packing. That's why it's pricey. <laughs> Spicy and pricey. Question. Hey, that's our guest, Will Purdue, joined us stopping by for episode 100. Will, welcome to the show. Oh, well, hey, I had a I had a question for Christopher. All right. What was his bet? His favorite scene from Wedding Crashers? Oh boy. <laughs> Did you miss that one, Timmy? Yeah. No, I saw it. I was there. <laughs> yeah, I liked going to the funerals. That's where the action was at. Eyes are burning. Yeah, you know, Whispers uh, is a man of many talents. Uh, interviewing not one of them. So, like I said, he's 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 embarrassed some of our guests along the way with some really weird questions, talking about. <laughs> Painting toenails, licking toes, yeah, sucking toes. <laughs> just, just some crazy stuff. So, well, we're not going to get to that. Did Whispers coach the Jets? What? <laughs> yeah, That's I think right. so. The Rex Ryan yeah, yeah, fetish. Oh man! Hey, let's let's jump right into it. I'm, I'm. We're going to start out talking about your playing career, and I take me back to training camps, like in 1989, 90, and 91, when a young Will Purdue. A young Stacy King, a young Tank Williams, Cliff Levingston are all battling for playing time. What was that like? What were practices like in training camp when you're all all trying to prove to the coaches that you should be the one that gets the most playing time? You know, it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about that, you know, with Bulls Media Day on Monday. And you know, I was thinking about, I looked at the schedule and I first of all, I see they're going once a day. Yeah, yeah here's, here's, right. Here's my get off the lawn segment. <laughs> they're, they're going, they're going once a day. I just remember it was, it was written in stone. Seven days, twice a day, no days off, straight into the first 
game on the eighth day. So you're like, okay, I got 14 practices before that first day. And it, I mean, it was, you know, the one thing I can say is, is thank God that Bill got older and he didn't have to do every practice. <laughs> Keep those elbows off the court, right? Uh, I mean, listen, I tell people this story. He hit me so hard in the side of the head one time that my blue, my ear turned black and blue. I didn't know your ear could turn <laughs> black and blue. <laughs> and then he would, then he would look at you like, what was your head doing there? It's not my fault. <laughs> That's funny. But it was, it was interesting though, because it was just, it was kind of funny. Everybody you just mentioned brought a different skill set to the, to the table as far as, you know, what they could do. And as you pointed out, Mark, it was trying to show Phil who, and Stacy, I'll get your, I'll, I'll get your feeling on this also. You know, my first year was with Doug, but after that it was with Phil, you know, you kind of felt like, I'm not even sure that guy's paying attention <laughs> <laughs> because it was basically as Stacy will tell you, Tex and Johnny Bach ran the practices. And so you were just trying to spend a lot of time with them, convince them, you know, and it just, it was difficult because, but what it did do, was prepare you for the season because practices were like the games because there were so many guys fighting for playing time. You knew that when you stepped on that court, you're like, Hey, I could be out here for three or four plays. I could be out here for 10 plays, you know, and then Stacy's going to be in and then Scott Williams and then Cliff. And then, and that's the other thing, who knows who else they had in camp. They may run them a few times through right. the cycle as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. I mean, very competitive. And I, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll attest to this. It, you know, when you got guys that are pushing each other, you know, and you're, you're fighting each other every single day, you know, you develop a bond, you know, and training camp is doggy dog. But as the year goes along, you become really close with that, with those groups. Cause those are the guys you battle with every day. I mean, you know, if you didn't play a certain amount of minutes in a game, you know, we're playing two on two, three on three, um, you know, yep. it, it, even before games, like I watched, I watched the players now warm up. They got a coach There's a coach for everybody. We'll tell you, we went out and warmed up ourselves. Like we went out there yep. and we worked on our, we, we go out there and we work on our game shots, what we we're going to work on. And then we're liable to play three on, you know, one-on-one -on -one for like, 20 minutes just to get a sweat going. And then once we go back in the locker room, you know, of course we're, you know, going over the scouting report, but we're loose and ready to go when that game starts. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the funny thing is, you know, who our uh, individual coach was, we were working with prior to the game. It was whatever ball boy we grabbed and said, Hey, we need you to drop posts. <laughs> into the post. There was no coach, but you know, it's the, probably the, the, Honestly, for and I'll, I'll be interested to hear what Stacy has to say. The savior for that, to me, was the the plane rides because is what Stacy said. You know, I don't know if you want to call it ego. I don't know if you want to call it competitive juices. You know, we were we were going at it in practice every day. We were doing the two on one on one, two on two, three on three before games. You know, once the season got going, if you didn't play 20 minutes or more, you'd have to stay after practice and, you know, play two on two, three on three. So, you know, it's, it's a constant, as Stacy said, it's, it was doggy dog. It's a constant battle. But I felt like the plane rides 
were the things that kind of kept us to even keel because then we'd get on the plane. Remember, Stacy, we all used to just me, you, BJ, Pax, Bill Cartwright. Uh, when Scott was Williams was there, we used to all sit up on the front of the plane and just sit there and talk after games or on the way to a game or on the way back from a game. And that was kind of like that <clears throat> knowing that, okay, you know, Stacy's going to come rolling up and, Maybe him and I kind of got into it physically about something, you know, during one of those workouts or during practice or one of those three on three sessions. But that's that part on the plane seemed to kind of be the equalizer that kind of just let some of those things just kind of melt away. You know, there's been a lot of publicity about uh, Aaron Rodgers being so tough on his young receivers. You know, he calls them out saying they're not running the right routes and they're dropping passes in practice. What was it like either in a practice or a game when you dropped a pass from Michael Jordan? I mean, did, did he air you out or just basically wouldn't pass it to you the rest of the day? Um, a little bit of both. You know, I always told people there was nothing better than getting dressed down by Michael Jordan in front of 25,000 people in person <laughs> millions on television. Because the one thing is he would, he would let you know that you made a mistake, whether it was verbally and probably more so with his body language and with his eyes than by saying something. And that, that was, that was, um, you know, because initially when you first started, you're like, Hey, I don't want to let that guy down. You know, cause what we, we didn't know back then was how much weight does this guy carry? How much does he actually talk to the coaches about who he likes and who he dislikes? You know, one of those, one of those situations. So it was just, you know, you didn't want to disappoint any of your teammates, but specifically that guy. Yeah, he, he was – I remember my rookie year we were playing Cleveland, and he, he got up in the air, and Bill Cartwright hated to, like, you know, when he'd go rebound, then Michael didn't have the shot, he'd fire a ball when Bill's head was turned. He hit him in the back or something. <laughs> so we're coming as a TNT game. I think it was when Michael had the 69. And so Michael's yelling at Bill as they're walking off the floor. You know, he's like, Bill, you got to catch him. Another three I mean, he, he was cursing at him. Yeah, it's my and turnover. Then, and, then, and, then, and then that's one thing. One thing about Bill, Bill was like – Bill was like really like a silent killer. Yeah. He can only take so much, okay? So Bill – Bill's walking over there. He said, hey, <laughs> you better shut your mouth or I'll choke you. And then MJ was like, Bill, but okay, Bill, I got that. But you just got to get his whole demeanor changed. Yeah. And I was like, Bill got some weight up in here. Yeah, that's my dude right there. I mean, he mentored. He mentored me and Will and Scott Williams. I mean, that was a guy that we always went to. You know, whenever whenever we had a question, whether we needed to know something. Uh, I I remember coming in as a rookie, and I signed late. And so I'm coming in late. I know everybody's like, oh, I came came in the day before camp. So um, I, I wanted to come out and make an impression. So I'm guarding Bill Cartwright. We're doing this drill where you pop out to like, you know, mid post, you know, about 15 feet away from the elbow, catch it face up, and then you play one-on-one. So I'm matched up against Bill. Now, I don't know about elbows. I don't know about anything. So Bill's popping out there, you know, and I was so, I was quick. So he'd go out and get the ball. I would steal it every time. Get the hand in the pass lane, steal it, and I'm coming back to the the line. And so Bill's like, after the second time, I did it. So Bill said, hey, Come here, Rook. Come here. Come here. Come here right now. Come here. If you do that again, I got something for you. And so, you know, not wanting to back down because I'm a rookie. And yeah, I'm you got to show what you can do. I'm yeah. like, man, whatever you got to do. 
You know, whatever you got to do, what you got to do. He said, okay, <laughs> okay. So, so they go out, he goes out again, does the same play. He's going to pop out like 10, 12 feet away from the rim. I go out to try to steal the ball again. It was an easy steal. You know, Texas throwing the ball was an easy steal. I'm getting ready to run out there. He caught me with an elbow in the throat. I, I thought my Adam's apple was destroyed. I thought it was applesauce. <laughs> he hit me so hard. My throat hurt for like two weeks. And I was on the ground, wailing on the ground. Oh, oh, oh. I, I, was, I was so hurt. And I wasn't going to fight him. He was a big dude. Yeah. So we go back to the line and he goes, hey, bitch, won't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> Oh man, those those are some great times. You know, we we had Bill on the show, Will, and he was telling some of those stories. I'm sure Bill said that, but also, I mean, he did that to me a couple times too. Because again, like Stacy's trying, and he would like put his hands on his hips, kind of turn his head sideways and look at you, and you're like, "All right, I know what he's about to do, so I'm gonna back <laughs> off now because I know what's coming." But then he would always be like, "Hey man, let's go to lunch and talk." And you go to lunch, you'd be like, "Hey." I forgot my wallet. Can you pick me up? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you obviously uh, had a great run in Chicago. And then, of course, you got traded to San Antonio for Dennis Rodman. And, you know, you had to find a whole new way to fitting in there. I mean, they had the, the triple towers, which people probably couldn't even envision now in the era of small ball. It was, it was you and Tim Duncan and David Robinson playing on the same front line. And you eventually won a championship with the Spurs with Greg Popovich. What was that experience like for you? Well, you know, I just remember when I first got traded, I was really disappointed, you know, because Stacey remembers Michael had come back the previous year towards the end of the year, we lost to the magic. You knew that that did not sit well with Michael. He was going to be ready to play from day one. We were going to, you know, we were the the betting favorites to get back to the finals from the East and blah, blah, blah. And I got traded, but it was probably for me personally and professionally, the best thing that ever happened or could have happened because it's, it, it, it answered a lot of questions that I probably wouldn't have gotten answered in Chicago, but you know, the, the, the thing I like to talk about that kind of set the tone was, I remember I got traded. I got, you know, we, it was, uh, during the lockout. So I fly down literally the day before, uh, we go to training camp and I meet with, uh, Bob Hill, who's the coach at the time, Greg Popovich, but you know, something pop said to me, uh, in that meeting, he goes, listen, we traded for you for a reason. We've watched the film. We've obviously played against you. We know what you can do. And then he stopped and he goes, so let me, let me, let me say, let me rephrase that. We know what Chicago thought you could do, but we feel like you can do more. So you've now got four weeks and eight games to show us exactly what you can do. Do you think you can shoot threes, shoot a bunch of threes, if you think you can score 20 a game, take a lot of shots in practice. He's like, I don't really care what you do, but what you do over these next four weeks will determine how much you play, how we play you, who you play with. We're, we're walking in with a clean slate. And this is up to you to prove to us, to A, prove to us that we made the right choice by trading for you and B allowing you to prove to us what else you can do besides what Chicago asked you to do in the triangle offense. And that's when 
you know, I was like, man, I've never, I haven't had a coach say that to me since college. <laughs> and it was kind of nice to, you know, cause I think, I don't know about Stacy, but you know, I butted heads with Phil a lot. You know, I spent a lot of time in his office in some, in some, you know, knockdown drag out shouting matches, but you know, nonetheless, I learned a lot, you know, from him as well, but I just remember, I was like, I remember, you know, and I go from those meetings to getting on the bus because the Spurs, we uh, had training camp over in uh, Austin at the University of uh, Texas's campus at the uh, the student center because they had like four courts. So we had eight baskets we could use and they they blocked time off for us. It was doing it, mean, it was really it was awesome. But, you know, Pop was always a guy that was in my corner and was in. I remember even in in training camp, even when a couple of days when he thought I wasn't being very aggressive, he goes, pulled me aside and be like, Hey, I know you can be more aggressive than that. It's okay to shoot. It's okay to do this. I know that's David Robinson, but how about you, you go at him, make him have to practice, put him on the hot seat and let's see what goes on. Because and the kick go from that. I, I just remember the first time we were down there, Dave Cowens is the big man coach. I got to work with Dave Cowens and you know, like Stacy said, same thing. Every, you know, every, every team does it, you know, you break it out to about 12 feet and you catch the ball and you do a reverse pivot and he pop it intentionally goes, David, you're on offense. Will you're on defense. You know, the guards are on the other end. And what I didn't know was, is the guards had all stopped and were watching because they were curious. All right, what's this guy going to do? They got pops already got him going against David. David did his little move and I didn't, I guess he, you know, wasn't engaged and he went up for a little shot and I blocked it and the guards went nuts and everybody was howling. And mm-hmm. now of course, after that, I think David blew right by me and dunked it, but <laughs> you know, cause as Stacy talked about, you know, he was just explosive. He was quick, but you know, from day one, I always felt like pop was in my corner and that was just, like I said, that answered a lot of questions for me from that point moving forward. And I look back on that and said, you know, that was a turning point for me professionally and personally. That's what I always say in the NBA game, Will, is that when you get someone who believes in you and, and gives you the green light, basically anybody could be a star in this league. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I think about that. It's because you think about how many guys Stacy bounce around for so many teams and all of a sudden they stick on their fifth team or their sixth team. And you're like, wow, what's, what's going on there. And all of a sudden, you know, you read an article these days in the athletic or the ringer or wherever. And then it's just, well, this, the coach believed in me and, you know, he was in my corner and he spent time with me. And then it just, you know, I was, I just was able to relax and play basketball. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, one of these guys, I try to tell guys all the time when I do some stuff with guys coming out, I said, Hey, don't be so concerned about where you're drafted. Oh, I'm the seventh pick, eighth pick, ninth pick. You gotta be more concerned about what team you go to. And if you actually fit on that team and how you, you know, and what's the relationship you have with those coaches more so than being able to say where you were picked. Cause there's a lot of guys picked in the lottery that didn't work out and got traded and did much better in their second team. Well, I had the pleasure to work with Will and Kendall Gill for a lot of years on the Bulls pre and post game coverage and Will still doing great work over there. I want to get your thoughts on this year's team, obviously kind of a, 
a dark cloud hovering over the start of training camp with the Lonzo Ball news. We talked about a lot about Lonzo earlier in the show, but I want to ask you about Patrick Williams. I mean, it seems like there's so much is being uh, put on this young kid's shoulder. His third year in the league, and it's almost like he needs to take a step up to really give them another player that they can go to, to to make a shot, to maybe create some offense, and also maybe more importantly, to be that good defensive player at the power forward spot. Well, there's no doubt about it because especially now when you start looking at, you know, not just throughout the whole league, but specifically in the East, you know, with all the guys that he has to guard from Jason Tatum in Boston to Jimmy Butler and in uh, Miami to now uh, Jante Murray with Atlanta to uh, Giannis and Milwaukee. I mean, there's no nights off. And unfortunately he's dealt with some injuries, but you know, I've had a couple people that have constantly harped on this and I'm starting to, to fall into this camp that, and I want to get Stacy's opinion. He might be better suited with a second unit because then he's the primary, in my opinion, if you start looking at the second unit and he's on the second unit, and that doesn't mean he doesn't necessarily start, but you know, like Stacy will talk about when we were uh, in that <laughs> At that one point when Stacey and I would play a lot together on the second unit, Scotty Pippen was the only starter in that group. And I'm starting to think about what if P. Will was the fifth player in that second unit? How much better would he be if he's the he if he's the primary scorer in that second unit? Because now you start thinking about offensively, how many touches is he really going to get with Zach Levine and with uh DeMar DeRozan and with Vooch? You know, because that was the one thing that if anything stood out to me in media days is was Vooch talking about, hey, I'm I'm more than a three-point shooter. I, I'm, I'm more suited to play with my back to the basket down into the post, and that, that's where I really think I'm more efficient. And I'm like, okay. Stacy likes that. <laughs> that's we, definitely we, what I want to hear. Yeah, we all heard that. So then I'm like, okay, I hope he's talked to Billy about that. So all of a sudden you're like, so what does that make P. Will? That makes him, what, the fourth option at best? Right. So all of a sudden you're like, hot. And the one thing I, I, I don't think the guy lacks, lacks skill. I don't think he lacks confidence, but I think I always wonder maybe if we back him in a corner and put him in that second unit and say, Hey, the second unit doesn't, doesn't survive unless you score, unless you become the lead dog. Cause I think he's just, to me, I think he's a little too passive. He's a little too nice. And he's more than willing to take a back seat to those guys. And, and as Stacy knows, that just doesn't work in this league. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Will, as far as like putting him in that second group, maybe pull him out earlier in that in the first quarter, let him get a little rest and then have him go out there with that second group. Because you go back to last year in that Minnesota game. You know, when, yeah. when the Bulls took out all their starters and he was the go-to guy. Yeah. He was the guy that the ball was in his hands. He was the guy, the playmaker. He was the guy that took the shots. He had 30-plus points. And people say, well, oh, well, Minnesota didn't have their starters. They only had they only had two guys out of that lineup. Pretty much Anthony Edwards played. You know, the only person was D'Lo wasn't there, and it was Towns. But everybody else on their starting was there. Covington, all these guys were there. And he just ate those guys up. And I thought... That was a confidence boost for him to carry into the playoffs. Now, you go back to that Milwaukee series. I thought the first game he was a little passive, a little nervous. But after that, he arguably was the Bulls' second or third best player in the in that playoff series against Milwaukee. 
No, he really was. And unfortunately, because as a whole, the team didn't really play that well. I think it was overlooked how well he actually played. But at the end of the day, it's without Lonzo Ball and for their defense to be able to withstand the onslaught of, you know, which now is the Eastern Conference. And as we mentioned, those individual players that, you know, can drop 40 on any given night, he's going to have to be ready. He's going to have to step up. I mean, he's going to have to take that, you know, um, mentality of just trying his best to be a stopper, but at the same time, finding a way to be able to, you know, provide points, effort, offensive rebounds, you know, on the other end of the floor. All right, Whispers, what do you got? It's your chance to ask a question of our guest, Will Purdue. Oh, that's a, a scary moment. So, uh, Will, do you still um, blow on your nose with your lower lip? And what was that all about? And you, you still do it. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Just like Whispers. Oh, my goodness. So, Whispers. <laughs> Just so you know, I first started doing that in high school. There you go. So you got to remember, this was back in the 80s, right? When, when I was, I graduated high school in 83. So what was the style back then? I, I mean, I'll gladly throw it out there, man. It was, it was called the butt cut. Everybody had to, had to part right down the middle of your hair, right? <laughs> and you had the waves on each side. You had the gold chain going. It, you know, you had it long, wavy. So when I would play and start sweating, it would then get in my face. So instead of constantly, you know, as Stacy knows back then, you know, I had the ball in my hands all the time, so I couldn't wipe my face. So I was constantly going with my lips, trying to blow my hair out of my eyes. And even as I got older and it wasn't in my eyes, it was just such a natural reaction. I would do it all the time. People ask that question quite often. Yeah, it's there, the low rent hairdryer. There was a theory that it was a, a play call even that came out back in the day. Did you ever hear that one? Uh, uh no. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey. Or, or maybe it was more like Hornacek, you know, he used to wipe his face when he was shooting a free throw to say hi to Side his kids. kids. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was talking to my girlfriend in the stands. <laughs> hey, we had, we had Darius Garland who only spent, you know, a handful of games at Vanderbilt, but you know, NBA all-star four, now, by the way, a handful. Four. Yeah. He got hurt and then he got drafted what fifth or sixth overall. And he's an all-star now. Great That's kid. Great up. Uh, he said that there's, there is a like plaque or some kind of monument uh, honoring your career or your all-American career at Vanderbilt. Have you been back there? And have, have, is that actually uh, true? So <clears throat> I was, I'm in the Vanderbilt, Hall of Fame. Right, good. So there is a plaque there. There's not a monument. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe the size 21 shoes or whatever. You know. So they have a jersey. So what they've done um, in Memorial Gym is they have a, a walk of fame. You know, they, um, Stacy obviously has played there, but you know, when you go to the fog, they have that, that walk of fame area where they have all the trophies and everything. So at Vanderbilt, they have a, the, the walk of fame where they have the jerseys and, and everything of all the players that have played in the NBA. So I have, I have something there and then they have another place where I've um, been in, uh, enshrined into the Vanderbilt hall of fame. So they have something there for that. But, you know, mentioning Darius Garland. Ooh, yeah. That's another guy. I mean, I know people are talking about Donovan Mitchell being traded, but I am 
on one hand, I'm scared. And on the other hand, I'm really looking forward to uh, that first game on October 22nd because I think he's more important to that team than Donovan Mitchell is. He's good. I'll tell you what. And remember that draft? It was Zion. It was John Morant. And then Darius Garland was kind of like the consolation prize. R.J. Barrett was in there. The Bulls were supposed to pick fourth. They fell to seventh in the lottery. And we hope Kobe White turns out to be a great player. But right now he's got some work to do to catch up to those guys. Yeah. I mean, and you think about only four games in college and look what this kid's done. He was an all-star last year. So, and that's why, you know, it's, I'm sitting here talking. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, listen, the bulls could actually be better this year. Right. Because another year together, a better understanding, you know, I think quite honestly, Vooch, you know, had a bad year last year shooting. I think he does better this year. Uh, Zach's obviously should be better, but that being said, Cleveland's better. Atlanta's better. You still got Boston. I mean, they could actually have a worse record, but yet still be a better team, even though their record's not as good. And they could, you know, be in that eighth, ninth or 10th spot because of how tough the Eastern Conference is. Well, I'm going back to 1988. (laughs) I'm going to revisit 1988. Okay. Six degrees of separation. Okay. Will Purdue's Vanderbilt team was yeah. highly ranked it was a team that you know that was supposed to go deep into the tournament led by the great will purdue okay they ran up against danny and the miracles right didn't y'all play danny and the miracles okay yeah, they we were supposed beat, uh, they were supposed to beat kansas yeah see if will would have done taking care of his job take care of business <laughs> then i wouldn't have had to play them in kansas city and we wouldn't have lost to him in the finals so I'm blaming Will. I've been wanting to it's all your fault, Will. I've been wanting to grab Will and tell him about this because when we were looking at the brackets, okay, that was a pretty stacked, stacked uh, region. I don't remember which which region was it, Will, you guys were in because we were in the southeast. So you guys. Yeah, we beat actually, we were, uh, we beat the number two seed, Pittsburgh. Yes. And, and Charles Lincoln Smith. Yes. Yep. That was a huge upset. And then yeah. you had, you guys had, you guys had beat them because they were, because they were supposed to be the team really in Kansas state when Mitch Richmond was in your uh, bracket. Yeah. Um, and they were a top, top 10 team. That, that was a really deep, deep region. And then Kansas was like the lowest seat out of everybody. And then, so, and so I thought Will and the great Vanderbilt team yeah, was we'll going to take them out. Yeah. And Will. We thought, we thought we were too, but then Danny Manning had something to say about that. I uh, we fouled out. They win the national championship, and Danny Manning goes first, becomes the first pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. Oh, Will, don't Will. That's that's a scar I've. It's never been able to heal for me, man. We're supposed to win that national championship. Oh, Lord. And if you've listened to the show for 100 episodes, you've heard Stacy talk about that a few times. You know, Mark, I I, I sense a little, a little <laughs> only 99 of them. Hey, you know what? You was better, that, you, you better be quiet over there. Seriously, was that Charles Smith the same guy who got his shot blocked five times yes, at Madison yes, Square Garden? Yeah. Madison Square Garden. It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me, hey, listen. And then, uh, hold oh. on a second. Let me, since <laughs> Stacy wanted to bring that up, I want to bring something up. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, we used to fly MGM when we, <laughs> when we finally started flying um, private. And like I talked about, all those guys would sit up front. And Obviously, Mark, I think you'll you've worked with Stacy. You know, Stacy probably talked the most out of everybody that was up there. No, guys. no I, chance. Stacy was constant entertainment. But for some reason, 
on one flight, Stacy and they all, and back then you remember everything was VHS, right? We used yeah. to watch games, movie guys would bring movies. Okay. You brought a movie. Let's watch this movie. <laughs> Stacy gets on and he's got like 12 bags and he's disheveled and he's got going on. And then he all of a sudden goes, all right, boys, I got something for you right here. <laughs> this is my Oklahoma highlight film. <laughs> he puts it in. Literally two minutes later, here comes MJ up to the front. What the dropping F is this? <laughs> and then I was just like, whatever led you to think that that, you know, was a good idea to bring that on to play. <laughs> hey, baby, I want y'all to see greatness. Okay, because the only person the only person could guard me in the NBA was Phil Jackson. That's the only guy. He was a lockdown defender. That's the only guy that could stop Stacey King and Will Purdue was was Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson, yeah. You know what? I, I will say this. Stacy was. I don't know how I'm he not did sure it. Stand. What happened there? Who am I talking to? <laughs> I think that was Maddie, our producer. <laughs> yeah, I thought I think that yeah, was Siri. I What's think that's Alexa or Siri. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to clarify that story. I think. I I I, I I've always thought about this. Stacy was elusive in the sense that, you know, like you said, he was quick for his size, had good footwork, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times I thought I had a shot blocked or defended. Stacy was kind of like the first, because you think about the guys we had at the time, you know, with Horace Grant and Bill Cartwright and myself and, you know, Dave Corzine got traded before uh, Stacy came in, but you yeah, Stacy worked out against him for the draft. <laughs> yeah. That's another story. <laughs> but kind of like, you know, I, I guess the best way to say it was kind of like bruiser guys, a little more physical. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily physical, but I learned to be able to play in the NBA. I had, but Stacy was the guy that could kind of do the up and under in the air. He kind of like he'd get you to commit to the shot, and you shot it, had it blocked, and he was the guy that could take it up underneath, and then you know, kind of like do the big man finger roll. Um, I mean, he was, I don't want to say he was, you know, a European type, but he was very elusive in his ability to kind of get around bigger defenders, get to the basket. You know, I don't want to say he wasn't explosive because, you know, he used to dunk the ball all the time, but he had a way of, you know, getting around guys, and then being able to finish at the rim with, with, uh, amazing touch. And I was, I was always impressed by that. I was always curious where he learned that. Well, Stacey will tell you, he's like a ninja. He moves like a ninja. Hey, listen. <laughs> hey, I told you. America. America. So you just heard it from Will Perdue. <laughs> That's right. Okay, you just heard it from my guy, Will, your checks in the mail. But you just heard it from Will Perdue. I, the moves were there. It was Phil Jackson. He stopped me. He, it was, he was the best defender I ever That's faced. That's right. <laughs> did, did, did Will, did you ever face uh, Jackson, too, like, like Stacey did? Yeah, I mean, we... Uh, you know, I always, I mean, I was always wondering, you know, I would ask Phil, you know, just because Phil was, I always thought that maybe Stacy can answer this. I never thought that Phil was direct no. when you would talk to him. He was always kind of like when, like you'd have a conversation with him and he would just start talking and you'd be thinking to yourself, what the hell is <laughs> All that Zen stuff. Yeah, and I'd be like, just Phil, give me an answer. Tell me, 
tell me what you want me to do. Yeah. You know, because I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Tex seems to be fairly happy, even though we could never tell Johnny Bach, you know, was always very supportive. Jim Clemens was, you know, just stay the path, stay the path. But I'm not really getting a lot of answers from Phil. I spent a lot of time in his, in his office and I'm like, you know, he, I remember he, I, I was kind of a smart ass, but <laughs> remember Stacy, when you go in his office, he had that little Zen rock garden thing, you know, where you had that little rake and yep. you would like rake yep. the sand. You know, I was like, what do you want me to do? Come in here and sit here and rake the sand. <laughs> <laughs> do stuff like that. I'm like, I just want direct answers. But yeah. his, the whole thing was he had a thought. The, the ultimate big man for him was Wes Unsell, right? Big, broad shoulders. And, you know, he used to always talk about how Wes Unsell could throw the ball off the backboard, catch it in the air, spin around, and then throw it to the other end and hit the other backboard. And I'm like, well, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. But there's a lot of things that I can do. And I can't do anything about my shoulders. This is as broad as they're going to get. But, you know, it was always, and I think Stacy's the same way. It was, it was, you always felt like Phil was always looking for something else, you know? And I didn't understand why, but you know, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, like I said, I, I learned things from him and that's why I always talk about the being traded, you know, was probably the best thing that ever happened to me personally and professionally. Cause it answered a lot of questions. You know, people were like, don't you think, you know, you would have, you would have won some more championships. And I said, well, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, I don't, I don't think I, I, I probably would to this day be still questioning why, but I got a lot of those questions answered when I got traded and that, you know, pop was a big part of that. One of the, one of the things, Will, that I, I've always said about <clears throat> the teams that we played on, especially the first three championships is that the team that we were on had, had some of the smartest guys, high basketball IQ guys. And it's evident now when you see guys post, NBA careers, whether their career is gone, whether it be front office, everybody's doing something in basketball related that's positive that, you know, so you go back and look at those teams. It's like, wow, you know, to learn the triangle offense, most teams, most teams couldn't even do that because I tell Mark and these guys all the time, the triangle is not when you come down and call out plays. There are specialty plays that you call out, but it's reading defenses. It's like being a quarterback. Everybody's the quarterback on the team. Everyone is reading the defense. Everybody's reading where the cut's going to be, where the screen's going to be. Tell, tell our listeners how hard that offense was for us learning during that time. Well, it's, you know, the best way to put it, and I just thought about this because I happened to see something on, so I saw a video on social media of the Thunderbirds. You know, how did the Thunderbirds fly so close together in tandem, right? Because it's almost like they know what the other guy's thinking. And a lot of it comes with practice because, I mean, that's what I tell people about our practices. I mean, the, our practices were two hours and an hour and a half of that was just constantly going over the offense. But the offense was predicated on what the defense was trying to do, meaning that it didn't matter if they double teamed, it didn't matter if they tried to play a zone, which back then was illegal, or if they tried to play overplay or prevent the ball from being turned from one side of the floor to the other. All that stuff didn't matter because there was something for anything that an opposing defense could do, but you as an individual player had to identify that. 
And if everybody identified that correctly, meaning all five guys, the offense, you, it was unstoppable. It was, it was just, it was clicking. I mean, it was, it was a thing of beauty to watch, but that hardly ever happened. It was something that, I mean, what, what do you think, Stacey? I mean, it took probably what a season and a half before we really started to figure that out. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I always liken it wheel to Tai Chi. You know, because Tex was so big on fundamentals and a lot of stuff. We were doing things that you do like when you're in grade school, you know, the the jump pass, the, you know, shot fake bounce passes. We were doing fundamental things that you don't do at the pro game that sometimes when you watch today's game is lacking. Yep. No, there's no doubt about it from, you know, how you would catch the ball in the post. You know, I always tell people the best thing Tex would do is, you know, you get in the post and He'd always remember his thing about don't be a jerk. (laughs) He used to do this thing where he'd get in the post and he'd be like, when post players, you got to get the ball, you chin it, you get the elbows out, but don't be a jerk. And then he'd sit in the post and be like, I mean, he would like, like he was doing the robo funk or something. He'd start doing this dance and he'd be like, if you do that, your teammates can't read what you're doing. You got to be, you know, don't be a jerk. You got to, it was almost like Steve Martin in the movie, the jerk right. when he's waxing that car and all of a sudden, boom, it shoots him down the other side. But it was just like the terminology, the things that, I mean, I almost, I, I remember my first couple practices, my rookie year when we had the bigs and Tex was working with us. I was like, this is like basketball one-on-one. We're going back to grade school. As far as how you, when, they, a pass is made. You step to the pass. You don't make, you don't wait for the pass to come to you. You chin the ball. I mean, we used to have to sit there and literally like in, you were at basketball camp, step into a bounce pass, <laughs> chest pass on a plane. Don't wind up with the overhead pass. You got to, you know, snap it, snap it. You know, you're just like, holy cow. And I just remember that first <laughs> practice. I'm like, this is the NBA. And then eventually later in the practice, when you start scrimmaging and you get your ass handed to, you're like, yep, this is the NBA. All right. But Tex (laughs) wanted, Tex was so determined that our team had to be so fundamentally sound that we literally were doing those type of things in an NBA practice. Well, it certainly worked, resulting in uh, 11 championships for Phil Jackson as a head coach. Well, we want to thank you for joining us, being such a good sport. And I do have an announcement before we let Will go. I'm so excited. I'm going to get a chance to work with Will and Kendall again. I'm going to be doing play-by-play for the Windy City Bulls, and Will and Kendall are going to be working as analysts. So it's going to be fun to have the group back together. We're really excited about that. So So. you're the head man now? Yeah, yeah. They finally recognized talent. So (laughs) Will has been gracious enough to sit alongside. Kendall's going to work some games as well we're gonna have a lot of fun over at the oh, now that's arena. awesome yeah, that's so. awesome it's good well, first game november 5th I, i'm looking forward to it mark thank you very much for reaching out and asking but also for those that are fans of the pregame show best part of the, the pregame show is the crossover there's some jab. There's some jab. Being <laughs> yeah, you got to wear a chest protector on that show. You never know where a zinger is going to come. And Will, Will, Will's like the wheels. Will, Will has it down to a pack, right? So me and me and Adam talk about this all the time. Will likes to get you when it's break when it's you on the way really, out when you can't respond. On the way yeah, out yeah, yeah. When you can't respond. Yeah. So we learn now to get Will early. 
Yeah. We attack real early. So now if he comes back at us, it's too late. <laughs> he can't he can't get us. But that is that is good TV though. Yeah. So America Bulls Nation, make sure you you tune in to the pregame show and then you also watch the crossover when me and Adam come on aboard with these boys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, Bulls basketball is back starting next week with the preseason games. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. Look forward to seeing you very soon over at the Now Arena. Yeah. I enjoyed it and I specifically enjoyed speaking with Christopher Walker. Yes. Episode 100. Thanks, Will. We're back celebrating the 100th episode of Gimme the Hot Sauce. You know, we're not just a basketball show. We've had all kinds of great guests throughout these uh, past year and a half. Guys from different sports. We've had entertainers. We've had UFC fighters. Uh, we've had football stars. Carlos Correa, who I think is going to be a Chicago Cub next year. I, I, re- I heard something today on social media that people are thinking that they're going to outbid everybody to bring him in. They need him. Yeah, they could use they could <laughs> they, use they, some, they star, some power. star power. There, there's no Serious question about star it. Star power. And you know, we had Jim McMahon on uh, last month. And Jimmy Mac. We were kind of wondering. You know, we heard the rumors that he had some debilitating injuries and that he might have been suffering from CTE. And he was he was as sharp as a tack. He told us some funny stories. The best one was about his the first time he met the legendary Papa Bear George Hallis after he was drafted and was wondering what his first contract was going to be like. Take a listen to this. Well, like I said, the first I sat there outside of his office for about an hour and just looked at the secretary. Finally, I said, "Hey, what, what am I doing here?" Because I had <laughs> friends on the team, Kenny Marjoram, I had known from an All America team, and uh, Keith Van Horn, and they wanted to take me out, celebrate. And so finally, I just, "Hey, what what am I waiting for?" And the lady said, "Well, uh, Mr. Hallis is taking a nap." I'm like, are you kidding me? I said, wake his old ass up. And so she goes in, you know, five minutes later, I I get to go in there and he's sitting there in his chair and he's already got a contract. I just got drafted five hours ago and he's got this contract and he says, uh, first thing he says, well, you're too short. You got a bad eye. Your arm is suspect. And uh, we don't know about one of your knees either. He goes, maybe you should go to Canada. This is the first words out of his mouth. <laughs> and I look at him and I said, well, why'd you draft me, old man? I said, who's in your scouting department? <laughs> and he has his contract. And at the time, if you remember, the USFL was just coming in. Yep. They were going to have their first season that, that uh, spring. And so I was going to, I knew I had a meeting with George Allen, who's, who was coaching the Chicago Blitz, the old Redskin coach. And uh, I had a meeting with him in the next three or four days. And so Alice slides his contract over and I see the first number and I just wadded it up and I said, I ain't signing that. And I throw it at him and I walked out. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first meeting with Papa Bear. What a great story from Jim McMahon. We were laughing throughout the interview. He was, like I said, he was as sharp as could be. And of course, eventually the USFL thing didn't work out. So he had to go back and sign that contract. But uh, he went on to have a long and distinguished career. Of course, he played with the Chargers and a couple of other teams. Wound up in Green Bay as Brett Favre's backup. And he told that story as well. So if you get a chance, check out our visit with Jim McMahon. We've had so many Big name stars. We had Michael Wilbon from PTI, Chicago guy who was fantastic. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we had some UFC fighters. We're we're going to have Kendra Lust on the hundredth uh, uh, show today, but she she's a friend of the show, but she's under the weather, so she couldn't join us today. Yes, Timmy's a little disappointed in that. Yeah, over Tim there. was. Gonna, yeah, he was getting those questions ready. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm heartbroken. Yeah, he's really heartbroken. Last time we had her, he was sweating, and uh, <laughs> we had to go get a towel and towel him off. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen again. I kept yeah, a beach yeah. towel behind me. So she was a little. 
sick today, and so she'll 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 be back on. So she's a friend of the program. Our young guys, our interns back here, you know, Francisco, he was really disappointed. He he bought a he bought a a, a picture of her, wanted her to sign it, but he, he thought she was coming in. And uh, I had to break it to him, said, no, she's, she's doing it remotely. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a chance, just go back over our library, whether you check out the podcast library or YouTube and, and pick out some of your favorite guests and, and take a listen, because we, we've had some great interviews. been fortunate. We've been doing this almost two years now. We started this back in November of 20, just when the... Uh, when the pandemic was starting to ease off just a bit. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark, it started off as a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy's Oscars speech here as he accepts his oh, award. Sorry, America, America. It did. Seriously. It started yeah. off as a dream. I was, I was, I was sitting at home during the, the COVID thing. And I was thinking to myself, I was walking outside to my mailbox and my next door neighbor, he, he came out and he, and we, you know, we were social distancing. Right. And, you know, and so he says to me, normally I would have ran into those circumstances because I didn't know what COVID was. So I would have taken off running, you know, <laughs> As, you know, normally when I went to the mailbox, I saw somebody walking down the street. I just turned back and ran like, like the little gopher. Those were strange times. Oh man. Yeah. Like, you know, the groundhog. Yeah. I went back in, but this particular time we were social distance. And he said, you know, I asked, he asked me what I was doing during the break. Yeah. And I said, no, nah, just, you know, sitting around watching a lot of movies, a lot of Hallmark movies, you know? And then, um, he said, you should do a podcast. And I said, I don't know about that. I don't know anything about podcasts. He goes, oh, I do one. And I'm like, I'm thinking, who's going to listen to you? <laughs> so Stacey doesn't live there anymore, yeah, so, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so, so I said, I said, so what do you do a podcast on? I said, and who listens? Yeah. He said, you know what? It's not about who listens. It's something I want to do. Is, uh, you know, he, he's in the hunting. You know, so the situation of him talking about hunting and even though he only had five listeners and they're all family members, he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't care, America. He was going to do it his way. And he said to me, he said, I think you'd be good at it. You're, you're funny. I watch you on the Bulls games. You're, you're super hilarious. I think you would be a lot of fun. He said, just got to make sure your content is good. Boom, boom. I'm a professional. Analyst. Exactly. There you go, D. Right on tune. A professional analyst. So then I, the idea was, okay, so who can I get to work with me? Like, who can I get to, to, to do this journey with me? And, you know, the first person I, I think of, I said, I got to have a good moderator. I got to have a good, good police officer that keeps everything flowing. And me and you, Mark, have worked a lot together. So I said, there was a plus, plus America, my friends. So we're all friends besides, you know, coming together right. on a podcast. So um, I wanted my friends to be on this show. So I, I called Mark up, you know, and, and Mark was, he was in between the gigs right there. You, you, were, you were forcefully retired. <laughs> we're going to have a, we're going to have a Mark banner over here too yeah. for the Comcast. But uh, so Mark was in between, in between jobs right there. And so I said, Mark, come on, do, do this podcast. So we boom, boom, boom. So Mark agreed, boom. So then um, John, John and Susan, who were here earlier. Um, so John Walsh, who works with me, who would work with me for eight years at Comcast. I want Stinger to, and Southside Susan. Southside Susan. Yeah. They were they were big on this show as well. They, you know, they helped us get going. They helped us grow. They helped yep. us Build grow. The foundation. And they helped the foundation. And uh so Stinger, you know, we worked together for eight years. So he was, you know, we won two Emmys together, you know. So I won him. We we're great friends. I wanted him, and then we wanted a, a female perspective because we didn't want to be just a bunch of guys up here talking sports. And Southside Susan was the the person that you know, she had her little rants and stuff about the teams and she could get away with it because she's a woman. <laughs> we couldn't get away with it. <laughs> I couldn't say anything about the Bulls, right. you know, but she could, you know, so she brought a, a different dynamic. And then 
we went and got, well, this is my best friend here. The, the, you know, I know it's 30 years of abuse from him <laughs> to me, but this, me and this guy, we go back a long way. We've done a lot of stuff together. We, you know, we started this hot sauce business, which kind of part of Wow. Okay. That wasn't, that wasn't a clue right there, D. You might, you might be looking for another job out of that one. That didn't fit. So, so, so we, we start the, we start the hot sauce business and then we're doing this and it all just kind of rolled into one. And, you know, whispers in the beginning, you know, he didn't say a lot. He didn't say much. Didn't no. say much. I mean, you know, a lot of people thought he that's was a the name. Yeah. That's what, that's how he got the nickname America. Cause I gave him the nickname whispers cause he never says anything. So, <laughs> but as the, as the show's gone on, he starts to get more comfortable. He would throw little grenades. Remember we used to say he's going to throw a grenade in yep. the middle of the thing. Like when the one time when he was talking about Ron Jeremy and, uh, you know, Hey, nice penis, you know, who just, says that? Just brings the show to a yeah, stop. Just a Complete stop. stop. Lost, I, we got to yeah. clean up the mess. Yeah. We, we've lost a lot of sponsors here. Most, of the time <laughs> we've lost a lot of sponsors because this guy but we've we, we've been able to get him back okay yeah. uh but he, he brought a different element to the show uh as far as like his humor and he's he's really gotten better as the shows have gone the christopher walken thing is awesome yeah um you know that gives him a show i know the guy's funny see america you may not know timmy whispers is funny Timmy Whispers is funny. He's just not one of these guys that's scripted funny. Like yeah. He's just a guy that he'll say something and you'll just start laughing. So this is the reason why he's on the show. I know a lot of people question that. <laughs> well, it's like the question he asked Will Purdue. I thought, this isn't going nowhere. And then Will actually gave you an answer. Yes. You know? Yeah, I mean, who knew that? I mean, he kind of, no one knew that. No one did, I, I played yeah. played with the guy, yeah. you know, I thought he had a, 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 a broken nose. I thought that's why he did it. But just but, a nervous kind but, of, you know. But some of the some of the questions that Whispers has come up with that he's really done, you know, digging and finding. Trey Young still don't like it very but much. No, Trey Young said, I'll never come back on the show. <laughs> Stacy, you, hey, 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 like, Stacy, you my boy. I love Oklahoma you. Through Oklahoma and through and through. Yeah. Sooner Nation, but I'm not coming on with Clay Aiken again. So I said, okay. We'll, we'll have to talk about that, Glade. You know, I, did, I did write him a note. Did you? Yeah, and I put it in the hot sauce. No response. He's probably like, um, no, he didn't. He doesn't. I'm, like I'm not buying it. The Chris D. Lofton <laughs> about sucking on toes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. On people's toes. Only Tim could come up with that. So yeah. everybody brings a different dynamic to the show. That's what makes it work, and that's what separates us from everybody else. We, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to say this. We were at a certain level, America where we kind of outgrew the fish tank a little bit. Like we got too big for the fish tank. And so we went out to Harper college and we, we picked up uh, four or five kids that, that were in the class me and Tim were there doing a, a special guest appearance. And I, I was doing via zoom. And I said, Hey, is there any guys that want to work on a podcast? We're looking for guys to come on and, and everybody raised their hand. Like every kid <laughs> in the class raised their hand. Yeah. But we, we kind of handpicked the guys that we wanted. And then with the two that we wanted, and they said, get this guy, get this guy. Said, so then we got, you know, we got Maddie, who's our producer right there, who happens to be Tim's uh, lovely niece. who you wouldn't even know they're related to wait, the Tim Sriracha treats, crew, the way, way Tim <laughs> treats her. Okay. We got, we got, we got Nikki, Nikki Knuckles here. Okay. I wish y'all come and let the people see you, man. It's a hundred show, man. Let everybody see you step up and let people see you. Okay. Well, I remember the second question that Harper was, who actually listens to the podcast and a couple of hands went up. They're like, yes, yes. All right. You guys are on board. So this is Maddie right here, ladies and gentlemen, the beautiful Maddie. She's hiding behind the hide me. Come on, me there. Come on, Maddie. Step up. There you go. There she is right there. There's Maddie. Does a great job for us as our producer. Now this is Nikki Knuckles right here. He's a part-time comedian. That's not funny, but he's trying. <laughs> it's um, quite the selfie here. <laughs> there he is right there. And then there goes my man, Francisco. And uh, this guy, that's one of my favorite guys right there. There's dangerous D right there. These two guys right here, you know, they speak in Spanish. 
You know, they don't think I know Spanish. So they speak in Spanish and they, you know, they be talking trash in Spanish, Mark, but I, they didn't know. You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to enter Francisco in a spelling bee next year. I have oh. to notice on the last graphic, he spelled gimme G I M M I E. But I will, but Other I will than that, say this, you know. I will say this America, <laughs> these guys have taken our, taken our show to another level. You know, we go from, we go from just being in an audio version to now we're on YouTube. We're on Twitch live. These kids knew exactly what we wanted to do. Um, it's they, an experience. They, they are tremendous at what they do. And now I know TikTok they got is. bright future, TikTok, <laughs> all the, all the stuff that you old guys like, you know, Tim and Mark don't understand what I do because <laughs> I'm social media. I'm a social media giant. Um, so I know these things, but these kids have really taken our show to another level and they have bright futures. And as this show grows, uh, uh, you know, right now, you know, when we pay these guys, you know, they're right here. They're interns, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, we don't mean not pay them money right now because it's not a sweatshop, but we do pay them with food. <laughs> and water so they can drink water <laughs> angel angel yeah. waters Thank, thanks to our sponsor angel yes. water and hot yeah. sauce yeah. and hot sauce they get as much hot sauce as they want when they want but they're no seriously America they're great these guys have done a tremendous job uh, helping us and uh, there's some there's some bright things going to happen for these kids. Their future is bright and I'm looking forward to continue working with these guys. And, uh, Oh yeah, I forgot my man, Matty ice. I almost forgot Matty ice. He's the guy in charge of the social media. He's the guy that talks to everybody on Twitch. He's the one that gets all the videos out. Then we, when we present to the, the guests coming on, he's the guy, me and him talk directly. He pick, we pick out music. We pick out the music for the guests. Um, he does a tremendous job too. I almost forgot about little Matt back there. I couldn't see him because well, he's separated from the yeah, main studio. Yeah, he, He's in, he's in, he's, the, he's, he's in the, taking care of the Twitch yeah. chat, but he does a great job as well. And like I said, this, this show wouldn't be where it is today. We wouldn't have got to a hundred without these guys as well. So thank you to my Sriracha crew. You guys are awesome. And let's go to another hundred, make it 200 and 200 to a thousand baby. Holy and Stacy referenced uh, our good friends at angel water. Remember oh, to stay yeah. hydrated all year with water. You can trust angel water. Call them at eight, four, seven, 382-7800 to get your water tested for free today. We always enjoy this nice, cool, refreshing water here during the Give Me the Hot Sauce yes. podcast. So make sure to contact them today, 847-382-7800. And uh, Stacy, I know your driver's outside and- uh, Yes, He's taking shout care of us out, as well. Shout out to Mike Amaroth right there. Okay. This is this guy again, America. He's not just my bodyguard. He's a friend. Okay. And he's been my, he's been my driver for over a year now, driving me here to, to uh, the beautiful Sriracha studios, the hustle and flow. We changed from hustle and flow. Now with Sriracha studios. <laughs> so uh, shout out to Mike. And he did something special for us today. He, uh, he brought us a cake. Oh from from Portillo's, the chocolate. You can't cake. beat that. You can't. No. Listen, he, it's a hundred episodes. He brought us the candles. He brought us a chocolate cake. Oh lord! And during the show, he's listening. He, yes, he, yeah. He he's always, watching. He always watches the show. He listens to the show. He 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 always comments when I'm going home. And as we're doing this right now. I'm a shout out to my Windy City limousine. Yeah. It provides championship service. Making a reservation is so easy. It's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic to get you to your destination in style and on time. One of our Twitch uh, chat folks said, uh, not the mayo cake. Mayonnaise. Okay. You know what? Okay. First of all, first of all, America, it's not about, listen, I, I wasn't too thrilled about the mayonnaise. Oh, it looks cake nice. Here, but look at that. 
Look at that. America, look at this. A Portillo's chocolate cake. You can't beat that. We are so happy to be hitting 100 episodes. We've got great things coming in the future. We want to thank all our loyal listeners, all the people who participate in the Twitch chat, everyone who checks out the show visually on YouTube. You've got us to 100 shows, and we are just getting started here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. More great guests coming up as the Bulls get ready for another season that we know is going to be very exciting. I just want to say one thing, Mark. America. It was cold as hell outside today. I just want to throw that out there. Okay. I came prepared. Okay. I'm, I'm walking around here looking like the snuggle bear, you know, the snuggle softener bear. I got my blue snuggie on right now and I'm burning up like Frosty the Snowman in Vegas at a pool party. Stacey's going to melt okay? here. I just want to tell y'all the dedication I have. I almost want to take my shirt off and get naked, but I don't think we need to see that right now. Tim, don't say nothing, boy. Don't say Ooh. nothing. Don't Ooh. say nothing. Okay. Because I, mean, I got the pecs. Don't sleep. I've been working out. Boy, don't sleep. We do, we do have dude wipes in the kitchen. Dude wipes. Oh Lord, have mercy. Are they are they, are they a sponsor? They you never know. No, no, no. No, we don't have. We don't. We, don't call we just them got Trojan and Astroglide, so we're good. Who? Trojan and Astroglide. Oh, I thought you. Did you say Astroglide? Well, you say <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Time to Astroglide. wrap up episode 100 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Freak. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't finish the show without Timmy dragging it down. So oh 100 episodes are in the books. We start our next 100 next week. Stacy, drive home safe to Chicago. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Beep, beep. Bill, fuck. Give me the hot sauce. What are you?